It is Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk with me, John Lund from Canberra Radio in San Francisco for Friday, December 9th, 2022. Just what did happen in that meeting in San Francisco with Aaron Judge? We're going to take you inside the room with somebody who was there. No, he did not use the Giants, and I can tell you that for a fact. We'll get into the pivot for the Giants from here. Carlos Correa, not on my watch. Double-digit contracts to superstars who are not really superstars, and what the Giants should do moving forward, not only now, but in the future. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk with me, John Lund, for Friday, December 9th, 2022. Thank you so much for listening if you're on the podcast. Thank you for watching if you're on the YouTube channel. Please subscribe. That's all I ask interact whether it be on the youtube channel you can put your uh, comments below every video and i'll uh, respond and i'll post the best ones on the podcast and on the youtube channel and we'll talk all about them so make sure that you interact with the show love it so i don't sit here and go blah 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 and we get some uh, feedback my day job kmbr radio in san francisco 10 a.m to 2 p.m each weekday pacific at kmbr 680 kmbr.com and on the stream so make sure you listen to that as well that's where my interview with Rich Aurelia that you're going to hear from in a minute. He was inside the room, the former Giants shortstop, and that is going to be our leadoff today. And you're not going to want to miss it because it's about three or four minutes of uh, Rich taking us inside that room and taking you inside that room. And he actually talked to Aaron Judge and his wife for about 30 minutes, which is how I know, and in talking to people too, he did not use uh, use the Giants. I know that people are upset. I know that people are angry, but uh, I, there's no way I believe that Aaron Judge used the Giants I think he would have come here if the circumstances were different, and I do know, and we'll go through some of the reasons again why he didn't choose, but there is one that I'm hearing may be part of the reason, so we'll get into that conversation as well. The pivot, many people want Carlos Correa. Uh, I don't think A, he'll come, and B, I wouldn't do that, so we'll get into that conversation as well. Plus, there's some talk of next year's class and a couple of big names in that one. I know Giants fans don't want to hear that as well. We'll talk about maybe what the Giants should do moving forward in those big contracts that are being given out. I have no problem for superstars getting those contracts, but guys who are not, that is a dangerous precedence to set that some Major League Baseball teams are doing, and I don't believe the Giants will do it. So again, if you're new to the podcast, new to the YouTube channel, thank you so much for watching. Please subscribe, tell your friends, and again, interact with the show. Hit me up at John Lund Radio and listen to my radio show on KNBR from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays weekdays, I tell you. Plus, on the weekends, by the way, pre-half and post for the 49ers. So the Buccaneers, Tom Brady, are coming into town this weekend. I'll be on that. Plus, uh, if you're a 49ers fan, later on today, I will uh, release my preview for Buccaneers and 49ers. So look for that podcast as well. In the meantime, all that stuff behind us, let's go with today's leadoff spot. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. No, I, I was asked uh, the day before I got a text from Larry Bear uh, asking me if I would come and, and, you know, help them represent the ball club and the organization based off the fact that, you know, uh, Aaron Judge said that I was a guy he watched growing up. And, you know, one, I was honored to be involved in it, uh, you know, just – to be included in the organization, but also that a guy like Aaron judge watched me play growing up. And, you know, usually I get, Oh, I watch bonds and Kent and JT snow. So that was kind of cool. So, uh, I agreed and I told Larry I'd show up and, uh, you know, did a little, uh, 
pre-dinner thing at the the Cloud Club up there in left field. And, uh, you know, I, I got there, you know, a little early. So I, I had a conversation with Larry a little bit. And, uh, and then the judge, the judge party showed up, uh, which was really cool. His mom and dad were there. His agent was there. His wife was there. Um, so yeah, that's how it, that's how it started. That's how kind of how it, it started and went down. Anybody else there that we, that we'd know? Um, yeah, I don't think it's a bad say. I mean, Craw was there and Logan Webb was there and myself. Um, and, um, you know, I did, you know, it was funny cause those guys were talking and, oh, and Farhan and Gabe were there, of mm-hmm. course. Um, and, uh, and I think you're correct. I think from what I heard, uh, they were out somewhere in East Bay looking at homes uh, or neighborhoods earlier in the day, uh, before the meetup. Uh, and it was funny cause I, I told Larry on Sunday, I said, uh, you know, in our conversation before, I was like, "Hey, good luck hiding this guy. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of a hard guy to hide." Uh, and actually, right when I got there and I started having a conversation with Larry, something was posted before they even showed up at the ballpark that he was in town. That video, um, and I—I I don't know if it was the video, but I think it was—it it, might have been posted by uh, the network, NBC. And I told Larry, I said, Larry, I swear to God, it wasn't me. I didn't say a word where I was going. I just showed up here uh, for you guys. And, uh, you know, but, yeah, so it was it was kind of um, – I spent a little time there. I actually did not stay for the dinner because I had something to do early in the morning the next day, but I did walk over to the Gotham Club with them. Um, I did get some nice little alone time with Aaron and his wife, Samantha, probably about a 30 minute conversation with them just one-on-one, which was kind of cool. Um, so you hear, you know, I'm listening to you guys. I'm listening to you guys anytime I can and, and, and the network. And, you know, there's in my mind, I, I kind of feel like I'm a decent judge of character. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that there was like, this was a genuine thing. Like he, he had interest. Um, I don't think it was a ploy to just build up a market or to run a price up. I think he had some serious interest uh, in the San Francisco Giants as his next employer. All right, there is Rich Aurelia. I played a long, long cut, and that was from my KNBR show. We have a great relationship with Richie. He does uh, pre- and post-game for the Giants. He's a former Giants great shortstop. I'm sure you know who he is. And the reason why he was asked to that meeting with Aaron Judge last week was that – he was Aaron Judge's favorite player growing up. And if you uh, if you want to go back to the podcast, I'll recap it for you very quickly. He got to the Gotham Club. He uh, met them. He talked to them. He talked to he and his wife for 30 minutes. This is a well-known fact. Uh, he was out in uh, the East Bay, which is about 30 miles where I live, about 30 miles east of San Francisco, looking in uh, Alamo, which is a high-end um, area. Suffice to say, let's before we get into – a couple of things about the meeting, and it's it's not just to rub salt in the wounds and talk more about Aaron Judge, and because and, I'm in the Bay Area, and a lot of people are like, oh, man, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's move on. How are they going to pivot? And we're going to do that a little bit later in the podcast, but I thought it was valuable for you as a Giants fan to be taken inside that room in Oracle Park, and they could not go to just any old restaurant with six foot seven Aaron Judge, and ironically enough, he goes back to Gotham. He goes back to New York. And they took him to the Gotham Club, so uh, he told you he was in the meeting, Logan Webb, and and um, Brandon Crawford and the manager, Gabe Kapler, and 
Uh, Larry Bear, the president of the organization. Farhan was there, of course, trying to recruit him as well. And we're going to get into who closes for the Giants because, and I don't mean as a closer, I mean as a closer for free agents. Because Hal Steinbrenner basically picked up the phone to Aaron Judge and said, what is it going to take? We want to keep you in pinstripes. What is it going to take? The Warriors have closers. Steve Kerr is a closer. Bob Myers is a closer. Uh, John Lynch for the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan, they are closers. This is not a unique problem. I'm going to go back over that just like I did yesterday. This is not a unique problem to this administration because the Giants haven't been able to get hitters for a long time. But um, this is a new era, and I'm just wondering who the closers are. So we'll get into that in a second. But let me uh, dispel one rumor that a frustrated fan base, and I'm not saying all the fans, uh, there are some people in the media pushing this narrative. Uh, There are many fans pushing this narrative who probably don't understand business but I'm sure you do because you're intelligent because you're watching this podcast. And that, that's what happens in business is leverage is part of the game, and Aaron Judge had more leverage on the Yankees than anybody else. But to, to go with this lazy narrative of, well, obviously he went back to New York, so he used the Giants. He may have, I don't know if he used the Padres because they reportedly put in $400 million, but Aaron Judge flew out here. Uh, we talked to a number of different people on my show on KNBR who vouched for the character of of Aaron Judge. And look, you don't have to have a lack of character character to use leverage. I'm not I'm not saying that. Everybody in business knows you need leverage. And if you don't have leverage, you're going to be in trouble and you're going to have to take a bad deal and I, we're not even talking about sports. It's just in every business deal and I've done enough business dealings to know that leverage you use leverage when you have it. You use it to the fullest extent of the law when you have it. So no one's blaming Aaron Judge for that. But for people to say he never intended to sign with the Giants, well, he came home and he went to a meeting and he looked at real estate. And the reason why Richie said he was looking in Scottsdale, I'm sure you know this, he lives in Tampa, the home of the Yankees, in the offseason. That's where the Yankees train. That's why he lives there. Scottsdale is where the Giants are uh, for spring training. That's where a lot of Giants live. And so he would live in Scottsdale and he would then – play baseball in San Francisco or if he was going to live in Alamo or whatever the case may be. First of all, he's not going to go through all those things if it's just a ruse. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, he's got to be, he's got to really sell it to the Yankees. That's fine. If that's what you want to believe, what happens a lot of times with fans is we don't want to blame our own owners or our own administration or our own players or a lack of star power that couldn't bring Aaron Judge here, whatever the case may be. And you got to blame the bad guy who's now a Yankee. I get it. But his character at every turn that I saw in talking to a bunch of people throughout this process, both on and off the air, and then what you just heard from Rich Aurelia, who he's underselling himself. He's a great judge of character, and he's been in the game a long time and talked to a ton of people himself, and he knows Aaron Judge, and he talked to he and his wife one-on-two for 30 minutes. I think he knows what Aaron Judge is all about, and I think he knows that Aaron Judge was genuine in his pursuit of potentially coming home. And if you don't do those things as a human being, then you're stupid. If you just think to yourself, I'm just going to leverage the Yankees and talk to the Giants and go home and get some Thanksgiving with mom and dad, but I'm going to leverage them. So you think he, he dragged his mom and dad and his wife and went out looking at houses in Scottsdale and Alamo and did all those things just so it could be an elaborate ruse to get an extra 80 or 160, 80, 100 million dollars out of the Yankees. Now, look, I, I get it. You're frustrated. You're upset. Everyone was. I used the word in an ESPN interview nationally tonight. I was asked about Aaron Judge, and I said it's devastating. It's devastating for the organization. It's devastating for the fans. It is. You got close. We all thought this was going to be the next Barry Bonds. 
but he didn't use the Giants. So let's put that one aside. That's part of it. All right, now, we're all trying to... So you know a lot about the meeting now. So we're all trying to decide what was the number one factor in Aaron Judge saying no to the Giants. And there isn't one factor, all right? California taxes at 13.3%. I told you this, $40 million a year. Taxes in California is 5.3 on that for just state, 3.5 for New York. So times that $1.8 million that he would have to pay extra in California, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it is, times that at over nine years. $1.8 million, let's just call it $2 million over nine years. That's $18 million that you'd have to come up with to beat the deal. And I'm not going to go back over it, but I told you, you got to beat the champ. And if even if the Giants went up to $380 million and the Yankees 360 it's basically the same thing. Anyway, some people complain about the 13.3%. doesn't seem to bother players who sign with the Dodgers or the Padres. So I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, if Farhan erred in one way, and everybody's all over Farhan, and I get it, but this one I think is legitimate, which is if you looked at the Phillies who went to the World Series just, uh, just recently, this last year, you look at what the Padres did to add Bogarts, you look, look at what the Dodgers do most years, but the rumor in the industry is they're waiting for Shohei Otani in the offseason, and they want to take him from the Crosstown Angels to them, and that's why they're not being aggressive in this offseason, and that's the real reason I don't think they're going after uh, Correa. It doesn't have to do with their fan base. We're in California in the West Coast. If, if Correa put on Dodger blue, they would accept him regardless of what happened in 2017 with the Astros. That's just the way most fan bases work that aren't in, say, New York or Philadelphia. And even then, guys who played for the Red Sox went to the Yankees. It's the way it, the way it is. Kevin Euclid is a friend of mine. He went Red Sox to Yankees. There's no problem. I mean, it happens. And once you put on team colors and you hit a home run or hit a three-pointer or intercept the ball or throw a touchdown or whatever the case may be, they love you. That's how we are as fans. So I don't buy that. They're waiting until next offseason as far as that goes. But as we continue to go through the reasons, maybe uh, Farhan – should have pursued, my point in saying all those things is, the Dodgers win, they go after more. The Padres won, went to the NLCS, they went for more. The Phillies went to the World Series, they signed Trey Turner. You do that, you get those players when they're excited about your team and you have leverage. I just told you about leverage. The Giants won 107 games, they had leverage. Hey, free agent player, we just won 107 games and we need you to put us over the top. Man, I'm excited, they just won 107 games. Well, they didn't do that. They stayed status quo. He's a GM that's been completely in charge of the baseball operations. He was an assistant. He was the GM, but he was under Andrew Friedman in L.A. He was under Billy Bean and David Forrest with the A's. This is uh, Farhan Zaidi's first crack at being the king, the head of baseball operations, and he made a mistake last year. After 107 wins, they should have fortified the roster and realized, you know, we got pretty lucky. A lot of guys had career years, and this roster is getting older. So instead of re-signing Brandon Crawford to the two years and Brandon Belt to the one year and, and just keeping the old band back together and giving another shot, they actually got a year older and they had career years, and you dropped 81 wins, and then you tried to get out and get the big fish in the pond, and he went, no, I don't believe that you're going to consistently win. So taxes play a part. Not winning consistently plays a part. Uh, looking at the roster and not seeing stars. If you heard Richie Avrilia in that meeting, and let's get into closers. Actually, let me let me throw one thing at you, and then we'll get into closers in just a second. the The ballpark plays an absolute role, and I told I went in about this yesterday, and I'm, I'll get into it a little bit later. But the ballpark plays a major role. I've talked to a number of players who played in the park. I asked Richie Aurelia 
and you can hear that whole interview at KMBR.com. I asked Richie a little bit later on in the interview. I said, if, and this is a guy that had 37 home runs one year. I said, if you were a free agent today, would you sign with the Giants? And he said, well, it was different back then because he did play in this park. And he said, you know, players hit more line drives back in the day. It was a little bit different. Now everybody's got the, the, the different swing and everybody wants to hit home runs. And so he said, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that I would. So there's a lot of different reasons why players haven't signed, big-time hitters haven't signed with the Giants for a long time. But in this particular case, yes, it was the lure of the pinstripes as a major part of it. So it's not just one thing. It's everything that I just mentioned. But one thing that's an issue worth watching is that we heard this during the season. We heard it specifically in regards to Carlos Rodon that some players just didn't jive real well with Gabe Kapler. And if you haven't heard interviews with him, it's nothing personal against Gabe Kapler. I think he's fine. But the role of a manager nowadays is basically tow the company line. Uh, here's the lineup card. Here's what the computer says. You're more middle management than ever, and you are paid in that way. It's reflective of how you're paid nowadays. You're not getting the money you used to get. And the Bruce Bochies, who just got hired by the Rangers and Buck Walters and the old school guys, are fewer and far between. And what you're supposed to do as a manager mostly is keep a harmonious locker room in which there are a lot of different personalities, nationalities, guys from all over the world, and it's a difficult job. But Gabe Kapler is a guy who's not for everybody. Uh, he hasn't eaten a carb since 1973. He's the most in-shape person that maybe I know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just uh, he's a perfectionist. I mean, his beard doesn't have a hair out of place. Again, none of these things are wrong. It's just that when you look at where Aaron Judge was, um, Aaron Boone is kind of an everyman and kind of can relate, and that's where a lot of these managers are. It's like Kyle Shanahan who coaches the, the 49ers or Steve Kerr coaches the Warriors. They're kind of an everyman, and they kind of get along with everybody. Gabe is kind of Teflon. He says all the right things at the right time. It's almost like he's rehearsed everything, and that's happened from the first day that he was here. There was a lot of controversy with him being hired. Uh, I've talked about it a million times, so go back and research it if you want. When he was with the, uh, the Dodgers as the uh, player development guy, um, just from day one, he's a little bit on guard. He doesn't seem to let his guard down. It's, it's a perfectly manicured beard. It's a perfectly manicured body. It's, it's a perfectly manicured answer for everything. It's, it's just not for everybody. Let's just put it like that. And so during the season, there were some rumblings that some players didn't get along with Gabe. And during this meeting, there was some rumblings that maybe Aaron Judge decided that maybe he'd rather play for uh, Boone that he would Kapler. And again, I'm, this isn't a rip job on Gabe Kapler. He's not for everybody. And especially with Giants fans coming off of Bruce Bochy, who was the everyman of everyman, um, my question would become, who is closing for the Giants? And I don't mean Camilo Duvall. I mean in business, and you know this. you got to have a closer, man. you got to have a president of baseball operations, and maybe they need someone to come in who I don't know what the role would specifically be, but you need a closer. And in that room of the guys that he said, and here's another issue, it's nothing against Craw and it's nothing against Logan Webb, who I know very well and is one of my favorite giants. But you need somebody who can close. Hal Steinbrenner reportedly closed the deal for the, for the Yankees. And while he's not George Steinbrenner, he basically took charge at the end and said, we're getting this deal done. Steve Kerr and Bob Myers do that for the Warriors. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan do that for the 49ers. Who does that for the Giants? 
I don't know. I don't know who can take charge of the situation and say, Aaron, we need you and give an impassioned speech. Now, maybe it would have been nothing. And maybe it was taxes and maybe it was he didn't want to come home. I've told you that story many, many times. Not everybody wants to come home. Maybe it was the ballpark. Maybe it was lack of consistent winning. Uh, Maybe you had to hugely overpay Aaron Judge, in which they did not. And I don't necessarily advocate that they do, although we will say this in five years, in three years, four years, Aaron Judge won't be the highest paid. Now, maybe there's injuries. He's not the perfect free agent. But for this situation, he was pretty damn close for the Giants because he was local. And he seemed like he was going to be the next Barry Bonds. And when that wildfire spread through the hotel where the winning meetings were in San Diego, there was a buzz in the Bay Area. And then the air went out of the balloon. Now, can they recover? Yeah, they can recover. So let's get into that side of things next. But that's just a, a, a little look into the meeting. I thought you would enjoy it. And again, do you have Aaron Judge burnout? Maybe. Maybe you don't want to hear about the story. Maybe you don't want to hear what went on in that meeting room. Rich Aurelia just told you. But two things I wanted to accomplish. I'm not sure who's closing for the Giants on the business side of things. Uh, Aaron Judge, no doubt in my mind, did not use the Giants. And the reasons why Aaron Judge said no, we will never know. Probably a little bit of everything. But there is a little bit of, remember, my direct boss is the manager. We all know this. We've all had jobs. And you go into job interviews. And, and look, once upper management signs you to the deal and all those kind of things, you're fairly well done with upper management. You don't talk to them a ton. But you have a direct boss. And that direct boss for the Giants is Gabe Kapler. And there's a lot of managers around this league who are a little bit different, who are kind of everyman and, and relate better in a clubhouse than Gabe Kapler does. Now, maybe Gabe Kapler can, and I've seen tons of interviews with him. He's a nice enough guy. It's nothing personal against him. It's just that he's very analytical. He's very um, PC. He's very manicured. He's very perfect. Uh, he's very measured. Uh, there's a lot of things about Gabe Kapler that as, as just an everyman and a lot in a clubhouse and everything – that maybe that's just not the manager that some guys want to play for. And there were some guys and some rumblings last year about some Giants who didn't. And maybe just maybe Aaron Judge said, you know what? I think Aaron Boone over Gabe Kapler. Now, was that the deciding factor? I don't think so. I think it's part of the factor. And the Giants have to figure out, I do believe, who is going to close big free agents for this current regime. Only is joining us talking about the negotiations of Aaron Judge, and of course he goes goes back to the Yankees for nine years and three hundred and sixty million dollars. So from a Giants perspective, how do they pivot from here? And 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 as part of this, I was looking back over the last fifteen years, and really it goes back to to Barry Bonds. It, it could be California taxes. In this case, it's the the lure of the pinstripes. I understand that it's the ballpark. I think, but hitters won't come here like pitchers won't come to Colorado. So what do they do? Well, I, I think for for one thing is that they're in a position where they, uh, you know, have so much payroll flexibility. I think they have to outspend those concerns for now. Um, you know, where if a, if a player says, look, I don't know if I necessarily want to come out there, then they have to beat the market. That's what they had to do with Judge if they were going to get him. And, you know, given the position where they're in now, I think that's probably going to be the case as you move forward. If they signed Carlos Correa, and from what I understand about an hour and a half ago, uh, while they've had contact with Correa, they met with him last week, they are, are not in deep at all yet with negotiations with him. If they're going to sign Correa, I have no doubt that his agent, Scott Boris, is going to basically insist that the, the team that gets him, whether Giants or some other team, 
they're going to have to give him a record-setting offer. We, right now, the record for any shortstop is $341 million. Francisco Lindor, the, the Phillies actually offered Trey Turner $342 million, given Correa's age. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, and, and all the spike in, in spending we've seen this winter, I wouldn't be surprised if Scott um, you know, feels like that in this market, he might be able to, to get a deal with the number four. Oh. Uh, and, and I don't know if the Giants are going to be willing to do that. My instinct is that they wouldn't and that they'd be more likely to say, you know what, let's go get three players for the price of one and and, uh, and keep our flexibility and maybe be poised for either the Shohei Otani or the Rafael Devers uh, talks next fall. All right, there are three things that Buster Olney, and that was on my show on Thursday on KNBR, which you can hear weekdays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Buster Olney, ESPN. There are three things we need to go over there. One, the pivot to Carlos Correa. The four he meant when he said that at the end was $400 million. So Aaron Judge gets 380 and the dumbest thing I think that the Giants can do is to pivot, panic, and give someone like Carlos Correa $400 million when they were only willing to go $380 million on maybe the most perfect free agent that they've gone after in a long time. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about American Idol. That's what Aaron Judge was. Turnstiles, power, uh, fit. Uh, he was going to be their, that version of Barry Bonds that they signed almost 30 years to the day in 1992. He was their American Idol. Carlos Correa is not that. And it has nothing to do with trash cans in 2017. I don't care about that. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Uh, I don't care anything about that. That's not part of the equation for me. Carlos Correa is a nice player, but I can find Carlos Correa's in probably every free agent class. A really, really nice player. Carlos Correa is a nice player. But I'm not giving Carlos Correa double-digit years and upwards of possibly $400 million. And by the way, while we're here, let's stick a pin in Carlos Correa, and I'll talk about it in a second. Baseball's going down a very dangerous road, and I know every single year the, the numbers get bigger, and, it, and we just get numb to them after a while, and it just doesn't matter. But I, I, I didn't mind when Giancarlo Stanton got double-digit years and what was his, 325 or 327. And Mike Trout deserved his double-digit years, $426 million. Might be off because I'm doing these off the top of my head. And, of course, Aaron Judge. Well, Judge didn't get a double-digit contract. Throw him out. Uh, Bryce Harper got the double-digit contract. And the, the reason why they do this, if you don't know, is they want to stand to the luxury tax. So their concern is AAV, average annual value. So average annual value, get, get it to a certain number. Keep it down by extending out the years. It's like a credit card payment. I'll pay you over X amount of years for this whole thing, but they don't want to go over a luxury tax, which this year in Major League Baseball is going to be about $233 million. So they can sign a bunch of guys, but the longer they make the contract, then the less the AAV, which means they can stay under the luxury tax and they can sign more players. Now the Padres just have a, a rich owner that just wants to win, and I admire that. So... He's kind of going a different way, but most owners are trying to extend out the years and keep the AAV just a little bit down so they can sign more players. That's the And then they'll pay the credit card bill late. We all do that, right? Uh, minimum payment, minimum payment, minimum payment, minimum payment, and finally at some point you just got to pay the damn thing off. Well, that's what they're doing. They're putting these players on a credit card or a layaway, and they're just saying to heck with it. That's the way we're going to do it. Now, I don't know the exact math on the taxes, but I would think, for example, if you sign a player for – four extra years at $35 million per year, then that's $140 million. Is your tax bill bigger than that or smaller than that? I don't know. But that's the, somebody who knows math a lot better than I do decided that the way to do this 
is to sign them over an extended period of time in years. Now, as I mentioned, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout, you know, the superstar players that are getting these double-digit years, Mookie Betts, I get it. When Xander Bogarts gets an 11-year, $280 million contract, that's a terrible sign for the business because at some point this is going to explode and then the uh, bargaining agreement is going to come up and they're going to do away with this and they're going to try to get, I guarantee you, mark this, it's going to happen. They're going to try to limit the amount of years they can have on a deal because the owners can't help it. Because one owner goes down this road and signs superstars to this number, which I have no problem with. Now Xander Bogarts, who's a really nice player, and he's 30 years old, but at the end of that contract, he's going to be 41. And he, I, I think maybe he gets five, six years, and then four or five years out of that, he's going to be really bad. And Albert Pujols' deal with, was that, and the Angels never got their value out of it. But when, my point in saying all this is that when you start signing good players, not great players, to double-digit contracts, and then it forces all the other owners to do these kind of things with not great, great, great players, then down the line when they're bargaining and they need a new agreement in Major League Baseball, they're going to try to limit the years because it's starting to get out of control. Now, let's go back to, we stuck a pin in this, let's go back to Carlos Correa and what the pivot means to the Giants. I'm not doing double-digit years for $400 million for Carlos Correa. He's a really nice player. It's nothing against him, and it's certainly not against 2017 and trash cans. He's not the American Idol. He's not the perfect guy. He's not going to bring butts to seats in San Francisco. That's just, we're, we're not that way. Um, we want you to win. We want you to win with a certain with certain players. Correa's nice, but just like Aaron Judge by himself was not going to turn this team around, especially given what the Padres and the Dodgers annually do, Correa by himself is not going to do that. And if you pay him $400 million, then you've got Correa, and what else do you have? Mitch Haniger? No offense, Mitch Haniger, but that's not moving the needle a whole lot. And you still need, even with Correa, okay, Correa is your shortstop. And Crawford moves to third, and Estrada is your second baseman, and you still need a first baseman, maybe a catcher. You certainly need a center fielder. Hanegren left, and Yastrzemski in right. You need a 1B starter still, because Carlos Radon has left, and your bullpen is, is not anywhere near where it was when you won 107 games. Point is, you have a lot of holes. And my whole thing was, if you let, if you couldn't get Aaron Judge, if you couldn't get Aaron Judge, then you got to go out and get a bunch of good players under the amount of money that you have. Well, you can't do that, or it doesn't seem like you can do that because guys like Brandon Nimmo, and I wouldn't have given Brandon Nimmo 8 and 162. That's what the Mets signed him to on Thursday night. And every contract seems outrageous, but for a guy like that, it was more important probably for the Mets to get him back than it was for the Giants to say, okay, be our center fielder. Now, there's a couple of different things, and I'm going to flash this back up on the screen because if you didn't see the, if you didn't listen to the podcast or if you didn't see it yesterday on the YouTube channel, and I do advise you to please join the YouTube channel, Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund, from KMBR Radio in San Francisco, and you can see this if you uh, pop on the YouTube channel. But they don't sign hitters. So I went back to 2010, and I looked at the pitching that the Giants had signed and the hitters that the Giants had signed. And just quickly, okay, I'm going to do this quickly. Since 2010, all right, so this is the 13th offseason since. Players just don't come here. Talk to many players about this. Uh, 2010, Mark DeRosa, Benji Molina, Aubrey Huff. 2011, an old Miguel Tejada. 2012, Gregor Blanco, Ryan Terrio, uh, Brandon Hicks, Michael Morris in 2014. 
2015, Ronnie Daniel, 2060, Grant Green, Denard Spann, 17, Nick Hunley, 18, Austin Jackson, 19, Donovan Solano, Cameron Mabin, Stephen Vogt, 2020, Darren Ruff coming back from Japan, Wilmer Flores, 2021, Kirk Casale, Tommy Listella, 2022, Jock Peterson. When Jock Peterson over the last 13 years is the best free agent hitter you have signed, there's an issue. The Rockies, I told you this yesterday, signed Mike Hampton in 2000, eight years, $121 million. What does that have to do with the Giants? After that disaster in which Mike Hampton was a far under 500 pitcher and pitched to almost a six ERA in two seasons in Colorado after signing that contract, they traded him. And they never delved, they never waded into those deep pitching waters again and decided we're going to draft and develop and trade for pitching. We are not going to sign it that way in the free agent market. It doesn't make any sense for us. And it's the same thing. It's less extreme, but it's the same thing for the Giants. Whatever the reason, they won't come here. And the ballpark is a big reason why. Heavy air, uh, ball doesn't carry. It's one of the most difficult uh, ballparks to hit the ball out of. No thanks. It will tank my value. Agents don't want their players coming here. Players don't want to come here. And if Carlos Correa comes to the Giants, first of all, I don't think the Giants, I agree with Buster Olney, I don't think the Giants are going to get to that number. $400 million or anything close, I just don't see it. Now, maybe they're desperate, maybe they are that desperate, but I don't think they are. In that same period of time, from 2010, pitchers that signed free agent deals with the Giants, Barry Zito, Ryan Vogelsong, Tim Hudson, Jake Peavy, Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja, Mark Melanson, Tony Watson, Tyler Anderson, Kevin Gosman, Drew Smiley, Anthony DiScalfani, Alex Wood, Jake McGee, Alex Cobb, Carlos Rodon. Now, I'm not saying every one of those guys is a Cy Young Award winner, but that's solid pitching. Pitchers come here no problem. So, what do you do? You draft and develop and trade for hitters, and you overflow your organization with pitching. Honestly, they never should have went after Aaron Judge. They wasted their time while other guys went off the board. They could have taken a chance on Cody Bellinger. They could have uh, zeroed in on J- uh, it, they could have zeroed in on Jacob Degrom. They could have uh, took a deep dive on Kodai Singa, and they might the pitcher from Japan. My point is, and I don't think this is outrageous, and it's kind of the question I asked to Buster Pol- uh, uh, only from ESPN to set up that conversation on my KNBR show. And would it be crazy to have five number one starters in the best bullpen in baseball every single year? So they're bringing fire to the party: the Dodgers, the Padres, the Phillies. The Braves, the Mets, all these teams, all the Mets are bringing pitching too. But all these teams are bringing the bats. You've got to bring a big old fire hose. That's what you got to do, and that's what pitching is. You've got to zig and zag. I talked about this yesterday on the podcast. The zig and the zag. Dodgers, Padres, all in your division, and all these teams all around baseball. Let's get hitters, 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 hitters. That's what they get. Well, you got to zag. You got to get pitching. Everybody else in the NFL is throwing the ball. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan's running the ball, and he wants to be physical. That's what Harbaugh did. When everybody's throwing the ball, Harbaugh was running the ball. Had quite a bit of success. Pete Carroll was running the ball. Everybody's throwing the ball. I'm simply saying that if, if you've got a certain way, here's your ballpark. You've got to tailor your team to that ballpark because that's where you're playing half your games. You can't hit home runs in your ballpark, or at least that's the perception from players that you can't hit home runs in the ballpark. So what you've got to do starting right now, because Farhan's very smart, is you got to change your philosophy. And those pitchers are still out there for the most part. Now, DeGrom is not there and Verlander's not there, but a lot of other pitchers are. I'd call the Milwaukee Brewers and see about Corbin Burns. I, I, would, I would call a number of teams and say, 
your one or two starter. I'm not talking three, four, five starters. No interest whatsoever in those guys. I'm talking one, number one starters. Maybe a two every here, a year and there. But I want fireballers. Well, they don't got to be fireballers. I want number one starter type pitchers, one through five. And I want the best bullpen in baseball. Now, is that too much to ask? I don't think it is. Now, do you want to? Do you have to go out of your comfort zone potentially to get Carlos Rodon back at six years, maybe seven years? Yep. But he's just like a hitter. If you if you were willing to go deep on Aaron Judge, then why not go deep on pitching? It's the same thing. You're paying the guys a bunch of money. You're going uh, further than you want on contracts. Everybody else is going hitting. And then what you do on the other side is you trade for the hitting. You buy the pitching because you can. They'll sign here. And then you trade for the hitting. Now, look, right now, as far as the hitters left, it's none of these things are going to make you go, oh, Joey Gallo, Will Myers, Gene Segura, Jerks and Profar. Those are the free agents that are left. So what you've got to do is you've got to look at the hitting and you've got to trade. Brian Reynolds is a guy you could trade for. A former Giant went in the uh, McCutcheon trade to Pittsburgh. Ian Happ, one year left with the uh, Cubs. Would they move him? Christian Yelich. He's been terrible the last couple of years, mainly through injuries. He would be a buy low guy. Those are the kind of risks you have to take. You got to look, you got to go out and look and say, look, I'll give up a couple of prospects because I'm flush with pitching. I'll go out and give a couple of prospects or whatever, or some of my excess pitching and go get Brian Reynolds. Now I got a center fielder. And now it's Hanniger and left, Reynolds and center, and Yaz and right. Not too bad. You could do better, but not too bad. And now I got to look at my infield. If you sign Correa, which I don't think he'll come here, and you move Crawford over to maybe third base, and you got Tyro at second base, okay, you still need a first baseman. But you, you've, you've got to start looking at it like that. Because next season, I'll give you another example. Next season, on the pitching front, Julio Urias of the uh, Dodgers is up. Blake Snell is up. Frankly, Montas is up. Jack Flaherty of the Cardinals had a lot of injuries, but when he's healthy, he's very effective. Go get a couple of those guys. To pair with Logan Webb. And now all of a sudden, you got, I don't know, three, four number one starters on this team. And now you can put the fire out of the bats. You're going to start developing those bats in the system that we keep talking about. But if Brandon Nimmo is going to cost you eight and 162, he's not even going to come here. You've got to have a change in philosophy of your team, which is we're going to get five number one starters. We're going to have the best bullpen in baseball. And to hell with those guys who won't sign here because they're afraid to hit in this ballpark. Because it's been years and years, and it's year after year, and it's year after year. You can get the Mitch Hanegers. You can get the Jock Petersons. You want me to go through the list again? I know you don't because it's painful. You can get the Nick Hunleys. You can get the Donovan Solanos and Darren Ruffs. You can get those guys who can hit down in your order. But you're going to have to trade for your two, three, four hitters. And then you sign pitching because the pitching will come here. That should be the philosophy of the Giants. Now, in terms of Carlos Correa, let me just go through that one more time in terms of Carlos Correa. I just don't think he's going to do it. I wouldn't give him the deal. And to me, that's a desperation move. And he is going to be, to me, and he's a Scott Boris guy if you didn't know that. And if you know anything about Scott Boris, and I'm sure you do, at this point, what he's looking at is he's going to outweigh Dansby Swanson. Uh, Swanson's market could be Cubs, Twins, Red Sox now with Bogarts being gone. They need a shortstop. He's going to wait until Dansby Swanson signs, and then he's going to shop Carlos Correa to the most desperate team, the Giants, the Red Sox. I don't know if the Yankees will get into this this thing. The Dodgers say they won't because I think they're waiting for Shohei Otani next offseason or Rafael Devers from the Red Sox, and I don't know what the hell the Red Sox are doing. Anyway, that's a whole different podcast. 
but you're worried about what the Giants are going to do. But and, and the other thing Giants fans don't want to hear is they don't want to hear, oh, next offseason, Shohei Otani. Because to me, that's, that's what I would do from a bat standpoint. I'd trade for Brian Reynolds right now so I could get myself a center fielder. That's what I would do. And then I would start looking at other trades. Maybe i take a chance on Christian Yelich. I've got to find – because over the last number of years, the Giants have had one of the least productive outfields in baseball. They're bottom three. And I'm not going to worry about Mike Yastrzemski, whose bat goes hot and cold and he's got a hole in his swing. If I find a right fielder who can, who can play, then, you know, then Yastrzemski becomes a fourth outfielder, DH. Can he play first base? I don't know. But I find a spot. But I've got to get talent on this team right now. Anyway. There's the pivot on Carlos Correa. I am not for it. There is the direction that the Giants need to go in. And there is the meeting that happened with Aaron Judge. And Richie Aurelia gave us a little bit of insight, a lot of bit of insight on that on KNBR. So give us your thoughts. Comment down below. Give me your thoughts on what you think of that meeting. Are you over Judge? Do you not want to do any more talk about Aaron Judge? And again, that wasn't so much about Aaron Judge as it was just some insight into what happened in the meeting and then questioning who's going to close, not as the closer, Camilo Duvall, but who's going to close deals for free agents for this regime of the Giants because I'm not sure they've got that. They certainly don't have the star power on the field. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that Rich didn't mention Buster Posey being in that meeting because if you remember, I've played this video both on the uh, YouTube channel and on my show on KMBR. When Aaron Judge made his first All-Star game, they asked him who was he most excited to meet, and without even skipping a beat, he said Buster Posey, one of his favorite players growing up. Buster Posey, Buster Posey, Buster Posey. I thought he could have been a closer. He's a modern-day player, but Rich didn't use his name that he was in that meeting. He was probably back in Georgia because that would have been a guy, because he mentioned all the guys in the room, that would have been a guy that he probably would have mentioned. Anyway, we took you inside that meeting room as well. So there you go. That is... Unleashed, various sports soccer beat. John Lund from KBR Radio in San Francisco for Friday. Friday, yes, it's Friday. December 9th, 2022. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please subscribe both through the podcast and on the YouTube channel. Much appreciated. Comment on the YouTube channel. Hit me up at John Lund Radio. Use hashtag Unleashed and I'll use the best ones on the podcast. Listen to me in my day job, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa on KNBR Radio. And I'll have a 49ers preview of the Bucks game out later today. It's Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund, only on the Locked On Podcast Network.